Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode 3 of Borderline Podcast Disorder. A huge thanks to all of our returning listeners. Your continued support means the world to me. And to our new listeners just tuning in, we're thrilled to have you join our little podcast family. Wow, what a week it's been. Moving houses is a stress fest all on its own, but throw in a few random bouts of anger and you've got yourself a real recipe for some borderline chaos. But uh, we made it through, didn't we? I'm in the new place and um, feels good, you know, I'm, I'm happy. This week, week also marked a significant milestone for me. Thursday was my last day in day therapy. It's been a fairly long journey, to say the least, but I'm proud to announce that I've officially graduated from my dialectical behavioral therapy course. There is still a lot of work to do. I still need time to adjust to using the skills and uh, making a better use for them in my life. But um, yeah, it's been a it's been a big day. It's been quite emotional. My uh, one of the therapists uh, has suggested at the end of the, um, at the at the end of the day where there was like a uh, feedback time to continue practicing um, a skill called please, and uh, I intend to do just that. I've made some uh, good progress with it, but um, there is room for improvement. December started off on a high note with the first marking the um, National Day of Romania. I've recently found myself feeling more connected to my heritage than I have in the past few years. Part of that, I think, is due to my mom's love for this uh, special day. Uh, when we were kids, she, uh, when I was a kid, and obviously she was my, my mom, um, she used to take me out um, and watch the parade. And um, it was really beautiful. I um, I miss I miss that uh, quite a bit, and I miss her very much. Um, the other night, I uh, I actually lit a candle in the new place and spent some time reflecting on my parents. Um, I just wish they were here, and um, maybe they would have I don't know enjoyed the podcast. But um, actually, they would have have to learn English first. So I don't know. Anyway. Now onto the comedy scene. I've been uh, hitting the town a couple of nights a week, trying to keep things light. Once I've got a better handle on editing this podcast and I'm a bit more uh, rested, I'll hopefully be able to go out even more. Now for the part I'm really excited about. This episode features an interview with the brilliant and hilarious Ali Woods. Be sure to check out his socials and his free special on YouTube. It's a real treat. He's also the writer and star of the newly released short film Elephant, which is available for free online. That's it for this week's journaling bit. Thanks again for tuning in and um, hope you enjoyed the interview. Talk to you later, folks. Enjoy. Hi, brilliant. Uh, yeah, awesome. How was the show last night? Yeah, it was good, you know. It was... Um... I had I did a spot at Big Belly and then did my whip at Angel and I tried something a bit different for the whip, but it was good. I just basically talked about like one topic for the hour, which was good. A really nice crowd. So, uh, yeah, I obviously don't trust everything because they were so nice that I'm like, okay, well, you know, some of that stuff in front of a maybe not so nice crowd won't be as good. But, you know, considering what it was, it was, it was really lovely. Is that for something else that's coming up? 
So this will be for my new show, which I think will be at the Edinburgh Fringe next year. And then also I am looking to do my first tour next year as well. Are you still uh, touring or are you still going with the show that you've launched a couple of months ago? No, no, that was just a one-off. I just did that at the uh, Let's Square Theatre in April and recorded the special. But um, I didn't want to tour that because I felt like it was it was just of its time. A lot of it was about being in lockdown and the pandemic. So I just, and I'd worked on that show for a long time and I, um, I was just sort of done with it. I was just sort of finished with it. I wanted, I was already writing new stuff that I was really excited about. I wanted to get on with that. So that's what this show is. Uh, but the last show, yeah, it's free. You can check it out on my YouTube, Ali Woods, just type in Ali Woods on YouTube. You'll find it. Best friend ever. Yeah. I've, uh, I've uh, rewatched it, uh, this morning actually. Um, Just because uh, I, I watched. It. Oh well, thanks, man. No, it's okay. Yeah, I, I watched it the first time when I when he came out, and I watched it again, just to like, um, yeah, refresh my my mind. But I, I have also been to one of your work in progress, so I'm excited for the new um, for the new. Because I, I mean, this is going to be a long shot, but uh, you know, um, I the work in progress. That I is, is it the same? Is it for the same show that I've seen uh, at the? Uh, the last time when I, I came out to to watch you or is it uh, like is it something else that you're working on it, it's it's probably gonna have some of the material you saw but a lot of it will be different by now because a lot of things have changed and a lot of what i'm writing oh, about wow. has changed so yeah it'll be... oh yeah and how was the how was um uh, how was edinburgh yeah it was good you know it was like uh it was wicked i was just doing a work in progress so it was really like artistically fulfilling just being able to go up and and just chat um and come up with new material and it's sold out. So thank you very much to everyone who came like to sell out a work in progress show. It was pretty special. I've never had you know that before. So that was really nice. And um, yeah, lovely crowds. And so, yeah, working on the show was, was great. That's amazing. You know, well done. I, um, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm buzzing for you. Oh um, yeah. I'll, so you have um, almost is it a, a, over a year now since you like kind of just done comedy and no like other day job stuff yeah so it's coming up to a year yeah so it would have been this time around a year ago i would have handed in my notice and i was working out my last couple of months at my old job and now i'm a full-time comedian and it feels weird how quickly your perspective changes because now if you said oh you gotta go to work every day And then do gigs in the evening. I'll be like, wow, that's crazy. I would never, how could I even do that? That's like impossible. And, uh, but obviously a year ago, that's what I was doing. So as well, but I want to shout out my job. Like they were really supportive of the, the dream and doing comedy. And they let me go down to like four day weeks, then three day weeks before I eventually uh, was able to leave. So yeah, big up to them. Wow. No. And how, how does it feel? How do you feel, um, again, embracing the, the full-time comedian job? You know what? If we go back a year, when I handed in my notice, it was one of the best days of my life. It was like living out this dream that I'd had for as long as I could remember, really, the idea of becoming like a full-time comedian. And my boss was really nice about it. And it was so surreal. I remember I got off the call and I was so emotional. And I was just like messaging people and telling them what, what had happened. And, uh, yeah, that was like, I just had to like breathe because I couldn't believe that like, that's what had happened. And then working out my notice was wicked. because I just felt like, Oh, awesome. I'm doing, I'm going towards do my dream. This is it. There's a lot of hard work paid off. 
Then when I finished that day job and I was full time, I just started getting really anxious. I remember it was Christmas and I was over at my parents' house and I just, I, I was struggling to sleep. And I normally, I'm normally like lights out, done. I'm, I'm dead. I'm just like, head hits the pillow. I ain't got any worries. I'm not guilty about anything. See you later. Clear conscience, sleep, right? But this one, I was, I was, I was, this time I was like, oh man, what happens? What happens now? Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe I was like lucky. Maybe I was earning money before, but now I'm not going to, you know, from comedy. Like maybe I just had some, like, especially with the online stuff. It's like, oh, maybe I had some good videos, but now I've run out of ideas. I've not got anything that people want to come and see. Um, and I was just getting stressed about all this. And then also there was a thing of, okay, so this has been a lifelong dream to do comedy. You've achieved it. So what now? So what is the next thing? Like I'm a very objective orientated person. So I like working towards stuff. And now I've done this. This was for me such a goal that I'd I'd been working towards for, for like decades. And then now it was like, well, what is the new goal that I'm working towards? And that fear I was instilled with about what okay i'll become a comedian but maybe i'm just going to be one of those shitty comedians who just has to like drive around doing terrible gigs for like 40 people in back rooms of pubs for like 70 quid just to get by like maybe i'm maybe i'm not going to become the type of comedian i want to be um so that was very tough and basically the way i tried to work through that was just to um work as hard as i could all the time which didn't was not the right method man like i couldn't get balanced because basically i was just like burning myself out and I was just like, because when, when, you know, you have a day job, what's good about it is the breaks are built in, right? So most people, it's like, okay, you're working nine to five, nine to six, you got your weekends off and look, sure, you might have to do a bit of work on the weekend, do a bit of work on the evening, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you should be doing that. Whereas when you're working for yourself and you're just self-employed like that, like there's never a bad time to be working. You're always like, oh, I could do a bit more here, do a bit more there. So that's been tough to like work out a balance of giving myself breaks and things like that. So that was all a period of a few months, I think, where I had to try and just adjust to this new life. It was funny because I was trying to talk to as many self-employed people as possible and other creators when I started. And they were all going like, you know, you just got to like trust the process. Like some months you like won't be earning a lot, but then that that's fine because, you know, there'll be other months where you earn basically like three months worth. And I was just sitting there nodding along like, yeah, maybe for you, but for me, I'm going to absolutely crush it every single month. And uh, they proved to be completely <laughs> true and I was completely wrong. So uh, yeah, it's it's been nice. And you just got to trust the process and uh, and find a bit of work-life balance yourself. Wow. No, that sounds amazing because I know uh, you do have a lot of, um, you do a lot of short videos and then I guess that's like, when, when do you, how do you take the breaks though? How, do, when does, when do you know that, oh, I'm working on my stand up comedy, I'm working on my, um, idea for like, um, again, short videos or now I'm just relaxing or how do you, is it easy for you to switch off or not? It's not easy for me to switch off. And how I actually get around that is, if you if I'm able to switch off, it actually does benefit me in the long term uh, with my work, <laughs> which sounds a bit counterproductive. But basically, you need those those moments and those days where you're actually living life, you're actually chilling out. Because one, 
you'll be more productive the next day because you've had actually a little bit of a break. But then two, also, you know what it's like doing stand-up, doing comedy, doing sketches. You're trying to relate life back to people. You're trying to, you're showing them what they're experiencing as well and how you're going through it together. And if you never end up living any life, then you never get any ideas for that. You never. So so by having like these days off where I go and uh, do things with friends, with family, uh, I used to do it obviously with my ex-girlfriend, not together anymore, unfortunately, but we do we do stuff like that. And then I'd be like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's okay. And then the brain would start working in the background. So that was useful. Um, so that's, that's good. And then in terms of the stand-up and the sketches, there's not many people who are doing both stand-up and sketch out there. So it's always interesting. I always find it interesting talking to them uh, about how they manage with it. Basically, what I try and do is just try and keep it really simple. I just try and do 10 minutes of stand-up writing every day, 10 minutes of sketch writing every day, and listen or watch back a a stand-up set that I've done recently. And if I could just do that every day, then even though it's like a really short period of time, it basically keeps me on top of things. Like I, I'm always generating new material. I'm always revising the material I've got. And I'm always generating new sketch sketches. I think for me, that works better than the idea where it's like, right, Saturday afternoon, I'm just going to spend three hours writing. Because for me, I just never end up doing that. It's just too long. It's too daunting. I get distracted. So instead, I'll just do a little bit each day. And that helps me a lot. And I, I agree with you because I, I I do also um, I I think when I started or like when I I started writing I was like yeah I'm just gonna take the whole day off no all all the whole day just writing and I just end up looking at the notebook or at uh, my iPad and I'd end up doing nothing mm. but then sometimes I'm like oh here's an idea I write it down and I write it down real quick and then I can look back at it the next day and I'm. Develop, I'm working on it and I get it like, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally see see your point. That sounds amazing. And I think, um, if you don't mind me asking, how long, when did you start um, uh, doing comedy? I started by doing improv comedy at uni. We had a little improv troupe there. And improv is super fun. It's a great way to protect your virginity if you want to do that. And it is just like... A laugh with your mates, very nerdy, very silly. And that would have been 2013 was the first time I went on stage and did that. And then my first stand-up gig was 2014 at uni as well, when it was the first time I went up and did some jokes as a stand-up comic instead of improv. But then I didn't actually start gigging until when I came back from uni. I was back in London, that was sort of end of 2015. So it's sort of like different stages um and then even 2015 and 16 i was sort of gigging now and then a little bit here and there and then it was 2017 where i was like right i'm gonna start doing this properly and i focused on like right i'm gonna do four gigs a week every week and then i'll never look back 2017 yeah so you uh how was um because i mean um yeah i don't wanna but uh, you have to uh check out ali's um best friend special on uh, youtube is um it's really good but yeah how did the how did the, that? How, how was the, What was the impact for you? Because luck, I mean, luckily, I guess I started writing during lockdown, and then as soon as the lockdown ended, I started actually going and trying to find open mics and stuff. But how was it for you, kind of doing it for again full on for two years? 
or more, actually, from 2017 to, you know, 2020, actually. How was it for you to... Um, and what are you doing? Is that when the uh, sketches idea came out uh, during uh, COVID? Or were you doing uh, sketches before as well? So, yeah, it was during the pandemic, during COVID, that I started doing sketches. That was basically, I was just getting sick and tired that I uh, didn't have this outlet. I wasn't able to gig, like I'm sure uh, a lot of comedians experienced, a lot of people experienced in, in lockdown. And so I, was, I always wanted to do sketches, but I was just scared. I was just scared of what people would think of them. I was scared of like uh, what my friends like just look at showing each other being, like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. This is so dead. And so, but then in the lockdown, I was like, fuck it, let's just do it. And also I was just me and my housemate there. My housemate was going through a tricky time as well. So he enjoyed like just filming them and, and, and I was having like a little brainstorm and just creatively having this outlet. So we started doing them and we started doing like long form sketches that put on like Facebook and YouTube and they were fun. None of them like got any particular um, traction online, but they were really fun to do. And uh, then in like towards the end of 2020, I started doing these like short form sketches basically for, for reels and, um, and for any TikTok. And then that's when I started seeing some traction there, some things blow up online. And that's what got me sort of like uh, the the following and started the ball rolling on that. Nice. I think that's such an amazing, um, I think adjusting to, I don't know, like trends and times, it's really um, inspiring as well, you know. And yeah, it, it looks it looks wonderful because I... Um, yeah, no, you, and I, I was also going to ask you that, you know, you, every time I've seen you to a, to a gig or every time I've, uh, when I, when I came to your like uh, work in progress, I, you attract a very welcoming audience or like you, you I don't know, it's, it, I think uh, I was generally, because um, I think I did tell you this in person where I was like, it's, it's, I, I just couldn't believe it when you went on stage and in a couple of minutes, it was like you are chatting with friends. How is that? Is, is it the improv or is it like how, what, what, um, is that how you've done it all the time? Or is it something that you've, you've learned uh, the more you did it, I guess? Well, that's very kind of you. Firstly, leave you to think, to, to say that that's was sweet. That's a nice thing. I'm glad that it comes across that way. I think when you come see me at work in progress, that is different because I've certainly found that since sort of building a small audience online, that they are very lovely and they see me as a friend and they want to want me to tell them about my life. Like, so you're already on a, a, a more friendly footing with them. Whereas compared to a club audience who don't know or don't care who you are, you might need to work for that more. And then also, I do think that comes with time. At first, I was just so stressed about being funny. That was just the main thing for me. Just God, be funny. Just I just please, please God, just make them laugh. Like just anything. I just and and you get quite, you can get quite desperate with that. And also, the audience can tell; they can feel feel it off you. The sort of desperation, the sweat. They they don't. They don't want that. They want someone who's calm. They want someone who knows what they're doing, who's safe pair of hands, you know, and 
And I think you learn that as you do more and you, you know, you go out there and you have bad gigs and you have good gigs and you realize like, it's okay, you know, you'll get through it. And also when you try to, and it's something I still try and work on when you stop, you stop trying to be everyone's favorite comedian and you just be your own comedian. That is a big thing as well. And that I think calms you down because it's like, look, I'm going to talk to you how I want to talk to you. And if you get on board, that's great, but I'm not going to try and like just change who I am or my, my, who I like my whole set just, just so that I can like win over the 10% of the crowd that aren't enjoying it. So I think that's certainly something you learn, especially, and it's especially comes true when people come see my gigs, um, that they, they, they're coming for me and that's okay. And I can have faith in that. So it's like, okay, have confidence. You don't have to be a different type of person to, for them to enjoy it. They will be able to enjoy you because you can just be yourself. And also I think crowds like the authenticity as well. So I would say that to any comedian listening to this, the sooner I think you can truly be the comedian you want to be on stage, you will lose some people. It, it, don't pretend that like, Oh, then everyone's going to love you. But people will, the people who like you will care about you more. You're probably going to be better. You're probably going to be writing better stuff. So I'd, I'd say do that as soon as you can. How was your, um, how's your, how's been the, cause I, you were saying that uh, when you gave the notice on your, on your day job, you were uh, over, oh, it was over Christmas. You were, you, you were, you were struggling sleeping uh, around Christmas time and uh, you were with the family. How were they, um, how are they feeling about it? How was uh, L Tony? Mm, yeah. Yeah. My uh, dad, L Tony, big up L Tony. Yeah. The Wolf of Mill Hill. <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah how was it like how what, what, what was it like for the people around you when you went like you know what that's it it's happening i'm going full time you know what it's funny because there's most of your friends who are just like buzzing for you and a lot of them have a lot of them have come on that journey with you so they're just excited they're happy for you And that is great. I think my my mum especially took a long while to come round to it because she was just one of these people that believe like doesn't believe that you can go and do what you love. She just thinks work is just something that you have to do to get money, to get paid. And the idea of like just dicking about on stage telling stupid jokes about your life, like that's a nice dream and that's a nice hobby, but that's not actually a realistic source of income. So she only started really like getting on board with it when I was telling her about the money I was earning and it was like up to her standard of that is a livable uh, wage. So she was like that. And then you've got this other section of friends. And because I've got very lots of talented friends and talented people in my life. And the thing is, when when you go and achieve your dream when you go and basically shatter the illusion of life that oh you have to do bullshit to make money oh no one actually gets to live their life like they've just got these celebrities and these beautiful people who are born as famous actors comedians musicians whatever when you actually show to them that if you sacrifice if you work hard you can actually achieve your dream I have, I do notice sometimes with people, there's a little bit of resentment. There's a little, and it's not, it's not personal. It's not, it's not, they're not saying I don't deserve it. They're not saying I shouldn't have it or whatever. Apologies, hang on. Oh, 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm allergic to my own nonsense. Um, they're not. They're not saying. They're not. They're not saying that you you don't you, know, you don't deserve it. But it's just this thing of you're actually showcasing some people that okay. The only reason that these people who are similarly talented, they might have their own creative ambition and stuff. The only reason they haven't achieved that is because they're not willing to work hard enough to get it. And that I think can be a bit of a sobering thought for people. I think the hardest thing to hear is not that you won't ever achieve your dream. It's that, no, you're not achieving your dream because you're just unwilling to work for it. And it's actually that you can achieve it if you just put the hard graph. If you miss the birthdays, you miss the dating life. You 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 know, you're traveling around like like I was do, doing all these rubbish gigs just to get experience, just get in with other promoters, you know, missing out on holidays and all this stuff that I had to do throughout my whole 20s. And I was happy to do it because it's got to me to where I was. Whereas with other people, I think sometimes they're your friends and they're having a good one. But then, you know, you're like, guys, guys, it's amazing. I've done it. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, and they look at their life and they're like, oh, I hate my fucking life. What happened? What's the what? like, you know, we were just at the same place a minute ago. So there's like a small section of people that are like that. And I think like you have that effect on people because you're almost like a living example that you don't have to fucking put up with the bullshit of life that you can just go and do your own thing. And so for most people that like most of friends and stuff, that's been like, they're just super happy. They're excited and stuff, but there is this feeling of, Oh, how come you get to do your dream and I'm not. And then it's like, they have to self-reflect and, and, and I think that can be tricky for people. Do you gig outside of London a lot? Uh, yeah, yeah. I um, I do a fair bit outside of London. I mean, I'm getting doing more and more nowadays. When you start, like when you start gigging in London, you're just doing these open mics to like no people and bit of comedians, and you just got to struggle through. And you can, you know, you can get upstage, you can get up like 15 times in a week in London, and it will be to a, a total audience of about eight people over those 15 gigs. Like, and then as you, <laughs> as you do more and more gigs you're able to like get, get outside and, and travel and and uh, do these gigs to more people outside of London. You're getting paid and stuff like that. So I'm gigging more outside of London now, but still not as much as I'd like. I think I'm looking forward to doing eventually when I do a tour and just being able to see what these other places are, are like. But it's it's really lovely. Like the, the, the novelty is not lost on me doing a gig over a weekend somewhere random. Like I was just in Glasgow, uh, about a week and a half ago just doing the weekend there at the stand which is a wicked comedy club and you're just like walking around the city you know you're getting paid to do the gigs your your hotel's booked for you and i'm not gonna lie like you know it's not like the it's not like the fancy i'm not saying at the hilton i mean you know, i mean i'm saying i'm saying at the ibis uh, but but the, <laughs> the novelty's not lost to me that that's that's really fun and exciting and it's kind of cool to do this so i i i do enjoy those gigs and and also it's just you know you feel like people like the same sort of stuff when you're just gigging in one city and then you go out of there and you go, Oh no, that even in this one country, there's a, there's a wide range of opinions and thoughts and feelings and anxieties and, and sense of humor. And, and that pushes you in to become a better comedian, right? Okay. This joke works in pit in parts of East London. It smashes, but is it going to work in West Glasgow? You know what I mean? So that those sort of things make you better. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to like more of that as well. That that makes a lot of, a lot of uh, a lot of sense. And uh, when you started, did you um, try open mics outside of London as well, or were you just kind of like did you start in London and then after you've built up um, 
quite like some uh, trend, I guess, comedic, comedic, comedic trend. Mm. Is that when you started going outside, uh, or have you not done open mics outside of um, London? Evie, man, when I started at the beginning, when I or, started, I was just doing any gig that people would have me. You know, what I mean, like when when I decided in 2017, I was like, right, I'm gonna properly gig. If anyone was like, look, I've set up a mic. It's in a farm. We're performing to sheep and pigs. Do you want five minutes set? I'll be like, yeah, let's <laughs> do it. I'll see you there. Give me a light of four and a half. And, uh, you know, the pigs went for it. The sheep, maybe not as much. But it was that sort of mentality where I was just like, right, I'm just going to do these things. So I did a few open mics in sort of around London, like Essex, Ken, and... They're, they were fun. And you know what it was? like. Even though it was an open mic, you'd be performing to a big audience. So you'd be doing these gigs in London with like a really good, strong list of, of comedians. And then you there's no one in the crowd. And then you go to these open mics and there's like these people from the local pub who are doing their first sets. And you're coming on having done like 100 gigs and worked on your set and stuff like that. And then you get to go and perform in front of sort of 20 people and real people and it was exciting and uh and yeah so i did a bit of that but it was one of those where also when you gig outside of london there's more of a chance that you'll get paid even if it's just like 20 quid because people appreciate the effort you're putting in to get down there so i didn't i didn't feel like i ever did like a open mic circuit outside of london but i feel like you start to get onto sort of the semi-pro circuit outside of london a bit quicker um and that was that was good, and it's good to experience. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I remember the first time I got uh, I got fifteen pounds to um, do a gig uh, was on actually on the Jubilee weekend. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and I I got I went um, well I didn't travel too far, but still I I finished my day job, jumped in a bus, then jumped in a train, got uh, went to I think it was. Somewhere near Bolton. Oh wow! And yeah. I've got fifteen pounds for it, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, it's it." it I, I was like, "Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think I can just retire from. I quit my day job now and just." Uh, but the, the the sensation, the feeling was, "Oh my god, yeah, how how amazing is this?" So, no, I, I yeah, it's such a wonderful feeling. Isn't that amazing? Is it's just the first time you get paid. The first time you get paid is just like. It's just the most incredible thing. I think Russell Howard, I was hearing him talk about it and he was like, it's like someone shows you a secret door. That you're like, oh, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to just work in an office and hate your life or whatever. Like you can just, you could, you could potentially get paid for this. And it's like that moment of realization. I remember the first time I got paid, I got, I was emceeing a, a terrible gig in Hammersmith and uh, there was like almost no audience there. And it was the first time I was emceeing and I was promised as an MC you get a third of the bucket. That's what your payment is. So a third of the bucket meant I got five pounds. And I remember I held this five pound note in my hand being like, I can't believe someone's paying me to do something that I enjoy. And it was incredible. It was also the first night that I got a drink bought for me from by an audience member. His name was Ali as well. And I just remember thinking, this is so sick. I'm so excited. I can't believe this is like the best night of my life. And I got paid a five, five pounds for about, about, about three hours work. And I was just so happy, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's what it, that's the difference when you're getting paid for doing the thing that you love. 
Yeah, I I, I agree. I think, uh, and I don't know with because you mentioned bucket splits now, but I um, I remember my first bucket split. I got God, I think I've got like twelve pounds or something, mm. and I did a five minute set, and I was doing the the maths after. I was like, oh, so I'm getting about you know what well, was like almost like over two pounds per minute. <laughs> And I remember keeping this, uh, chatting with like my, my mates because, uh, yeah, we went uh, straight after the gig. I was like, yeah, let's just spend this huge amount of cash that I've just yeah. made, um, which bought me about, yeah, a pint and a half in Manchester at the time. But we were just thinking, yeah, that's it. I, I'm not going to do, like, my thought was any paid work that I do, it has to be for at least £2.50 a minute. Nice. And, nice. But yeah, no, I think it. it yeah. <laughs> yeah, just that, that's my standard now. Yeah. Uh, but no, I agree. I think when when people come up to you after the the shows and um, you're doing well and they 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 congratulate you or people are, yeah, it's, it feels so amazing. And I think you do you get um, do you get uh, um, like recognized outside of uh, like after a gig or like you know days later like people on the street going like oh i think i know you from somewhere does that happen i get recognized especially in london but it's it's mainly from my videos um sometimes it's lovely when people do recognize me from gigs and that's nice because it feels like maybe we have a, a closer connection because they've like enjoyed my my stand up in real life and not just sort of like i've been appearing on their phone but yeah i get recognized a fair bit the most common the most common thing that happens to me in terms of being recognized is is people go do you do you do do you do videos online like they don't know who i am they don't know they're not like ali woods i love your stuff man i love my favorite one is they're just like are you? <laughs> like sometimes people are like are you famous and i always say if i was famous you wouldn't be asking and so like what i get as well sometimes is i was at my friend's birthday and like I introduce myself to someone and they're just like, you look familiar. And it's funny because they're just like, we must have met somewhere else because they think they're not going to think, oh, I see you on my phone. But I never encourage that. I'm just like, yeah, we must have met somewhere else. Like we must have, yeah, maybe another one of these birthdays or something like that because I just can't be asked to to get into it if they're not like, if they're not a fan. But then sometimes you get people who are genuinely like, oh my God, I love your stuff. Like I was in a pub on Sunday and this guy got a picture of me and it was really nice and sweet. And those ones are really nice when like, you feel like you're actually connecting with people who genuinely enjoy what you do. Um, rather than like people who are just like, oh, you've popped up on my phone. I sort of know you. And especially what I find as well on nights out now, when people have had a few more drinks, their their inhibition's a bit lower. They're a bit more willing to just come up come up to me um that's uh that that can be a bit tricky sometimes like if i'm in certain parts of like london where like there's maybe more people who would follow me uh and you just try to just enjoy a pint and i'm a bit more wary of like right okay maybe i don't want to get like blackout drunk and i don't want to show that i'm just like this absolute waste of space <laughs> when people are coming up and like, i love your like relatable videos <laughs> and i'm like fucking yeah you do bro like they're fucking sick you know so I just maybe, maybe maybe on a bit more of a good behavior on a night out nowadays. Oh wow! Okay, no, that's that's uh, it's uh, it's interesting to hear that you uh, it like the way it's changing your perception of like oh this is what where like yeah that's like my limit or like I gotta yeah that that sounds really cool yeah I think you're um, um, 
one of the very, I mean, probably, the, I mean, the first person I've ever recorded to say that, and uh, I'm like, wow, <laughs> that sounds 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 cool, scary though, right? Yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean, like, it's I'm not gonna lie, like the first first time it happened, it was really cool, um, and and then sometimes. For instance, like I'm out with my mates. Generally, people are really nice. Generally, people are really nice. They're really friendly. Also, I have like a wonderful small level of fame where people don't recognize me and dislike me, which is nice. Like I'm not because I'm not actually famous because I'm not actually in the public eye. The only people that really come up to me are people who actually like my stuff. So that's nice. Whereas I think if you're actually just a genuine level of fame, people come up to you and be like, mate, you're for telly. Yeah, you're shit or whatever. Like they might just come up to you and say stuff like that. So <laughs> that's, that's uh, where I have to say, like, I'm very fortunate, but yeah, it certainly is a bit strange. Like again, when I, I it's, it's funny how it changed from when I started off, I was like trying to get people to recognize me and, and I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm like basically going up to people being like, so you got Instagram because like, you know, I do some videos and stuff. Whereas, whereas now I actually sort of more of, <laughs> I sort of more avoid it. And especially like, for instance, if I'm passing by or I'm traveling somewhere and it's, sh- and like someone bu- like notices me and it's short and it's lovely. It's just like, Oh, thanks so much. Maybe they, maybe they want a picture. Maybe they don't or whatever. But now I feel like, so I'm at a bar with my friends and this person's also at the bar and they might they might come up and say something, but then I'm like, well, okay, I've said hi, we've we've had a nice day, but now we're just both chilling at the same bar. And I just feel like maybe it's just an ego thing where I'm like, I'm only going to be less interesting and exciting as this evening goes on. And also there's a little bit of a worry of <laughs> if they keep drinking and I'm still here, is it going to get weirder? Are they going to like not harass me but just like want more from me than i can give like i've said my highs and my nice and thank you so much appreciate that i really appreciate it but then like where do we go from here so that's sometimes a bit of a concern and i've had like people who've sort of lingered around a bit and 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 that's a bit weird but it's never turned into anything bad you know Nice. Yeah, I think it's 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 hard to. I mean, it's. I think it's hard to. It's hard to imagine, and you know, being uh, trying to to be like you in this context. Because I'm like, oh, I, yeah, you, you don't. I think unless you kind of like experience it, it's, it's so hard for me, for example, to go like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that feels like. I cannot. I understand it, but I have no idea what how would that feel for me in my own head. Mm. Mate, soon though, soon, soon you will, bro. It will happen to you soon, mate. Sooner than you think. Finger, yeah, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Um, who knows? It will be nice. Um, I need to. I'm, I'm dying to ask you. I may, maybe you might have addressed it at some point. But what's the story of your Basel FC jacket? Why do you? <laughs> because for for context. Loads of your, uh, your, 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 every time I, I see, because I love your, like, vlogging uh, part of your, like, stories on, on Instagram, but you often wear a FC Basel jacket. Is there a story behind it, or is it just you liked it, you bought it? Yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. What's the deal? A little bit of a story, not, not, too, not too exciting, but a little bit of a story. So, basically, my friend, my friend is not into football at all. 
And this was for my birthday, would have been like my maybe 23rd birthday, I think, something like that. Maybe like we're talking 2016, 2017, something around then. And my friend wanted to get me a, a present. And he thought, what's the weirdest football related present I can give? And he found this website where they were just like random football jackets. And he just liked the name Basel. He was like, that sounded cool. So I just got you this Basel jacket. It was also <laughs> when Stormzy was blowing up with Shut Up and he had that cool like Adidas jacket on. And it, I was just like, this is a sick present, man. So I'm just like in this Basel with my Adidas jacket with the stripes down the side. And it's like still a sick jacket to this day. And I still wear it, man. It just, it's nice and warm. It looks after myself. I feel a bit bad because especially sometimes I'm doing sport, I wear like a Man United t-shirt and then a Basel jacket, which is sacrilegious. You're not actually allowed to do that. You're not actually allowed to wear two different football teams uh, merchandise at the same time. But oh, well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all it's from, man. You like Basel? I, I know of them. I know uh, when I started watching football, um, they were they were good, and I know that they had some seasons where they had a they had a Swedish uh, defender that used to score twenty goals a season. But that's because Basel used to score like eighty mm. in 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 a league season, and then twenty were from this like uh, center half. So that that's how I I knew of them, and I think we. Um, some of the teams I followed in Romania, and I know that United played them in the Champions League as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, might have actually been in the same year that we played them. Anyway, mm-hmm. yes, that's, I was just curious because I was like, it, it looks like it's either, to me, it was like either something that, because I collect T-shirts. Oh, sorry? You collect T-shirts in general, football football T-shirts? Yeah, football. T- yeah, sorry, football t-shirts, not just yeah, any yeah. t-shirts. I collect football t-shirts, nice. and um, yeah, sometimes I see something, I'm like, oh, this looks good, I like it, I buy it. Um, sometimes when I travel, I just buy like stuff from the local team or um, the city that I'm going to. Mm. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I, yeah, I was just curious because uh, yeah, you, you're rocking it though. It looks really good on you. But I was just curious. I was like, what is happened? Uh, yeah, how how did you get in that to post to own that jacket? But that makes sense, and that sounds like a nice story as well. And it looks like you're looking after presents. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'm not that good at looking after. This is this is how great this jacket is. I'm not that good at looking after clothes, but this jacket has stayed with me. For like six, seven years, it has been a servant. It has helped the club. It's been great because normally I make T-shirts <laughs> and jackets look shit within about two months of wearing them. Um, so this is, I'm really indebted to this, man. It's a great present for my friends. You know, you have some presents from your friends that like just stay with you and stuff like that. So that's, it's been wicked. I would also recommend, I've got a Cambodia football T-shirt as well that my mum got for me when she was on holiday there. So if you want another wavy top, then that's a good one to get. I have, yeah, I have seen that one as well. Because that's when I, I think I was was I was watching your story and I've seen the Basel jacket and I've seen the Cambodian top and I was like, oh yeah, because I did ask you, you, I think I messaged you asking, um, what, um, yeah, what 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 t-shirt is it? And I was like, oh, do you collect t-shirts as well? Like that was a a, a second of I went like, oh my god, we have something else in common. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, yeah, we, we we're bonding, we're bonding. That's what's happening, bro. Yeah, no, that that was uh, that was so. Yeah, okay, so Cambodia, you haven't been, but your it's when your mom went there. Yeah, got it as a present. Nice. 
what's uh, next for you then? What what do you have uh, planned next? So I'm working on this new show that will be my tour. So if you want to come to any previews, check out my website, alleywoodsgigs.com. I always keep the tickets cheap, let people make it accessible. To- and also because it means that, you know, I can just play around. So that's fun. So come along. Uh, the, the the previews always sell out. So if you want tickets, get them while you can. Um, and I also have a short film out now at the moment. So if you want to check that out, look for Elephant. It'll be on Vimeo. And I will, again, that will be linked in my uh, socials. So you want to check that out. It was selected for Earl's Court Film Festival. And it was funded by Earl's Court Film Festival because they love the script so much. Stars Nitin Ganatra as well from EastEnders. If you're a fan of EastEnders, he was Masood for 12 years. Big name in British soap opera. So, yeah. So if you any of that stuff, go check it all out. And hopefully I'll see you at a gig soon. Yeah, it was lovely chatting with you, Ali. I'll, uh, I hope to catch up with you again soon. Um, yeah, take care. Always Look a pleasure, Levy. Thanks so much for having me on. Big up to you for listening to this podcast. Check out all the other episodes. And you can find me anywhere at Aliwood's Gigs. Thank you. That was it. Um, that was Ali Woods, and I had a great time chatting with him. That's all until next week. Please don't forget to um, subscribe or follow us, just to make sure you uh, get a notification every every Monday morning when we release a new episode. Thank you, and as always, if you want to leave a review, that's much appreciated. Or if you want um, to give any feedback, that's also very welcome. Take care and stay skillful. Bye.